Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 567 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's show, Constance is here. Constance has a number of medical issues. One of them is type 1 diabetes. I went back and forth about whether or not this should be an After Dark episode because one of her problems involves her private lady area. Uh, but you're all adults. You can handle it. There's no reason this needs to be an After Dark episode. When I was recording it, I felt like this episode started slow and finished strong. And when I went back to do the edit, I uh, I may I agreed with myself. So... There you go. I agree with myself. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I think you're going to like Constance. I found her to be genuine and very sincere. I have a couple of seconds here, so let me remind you, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Go take the survey. It takes less than 10 minutes. You just have to be a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1 or a U.S. resident who has type 1. You answer some simple questions and boof, just like that, you've helped people with type 1 diabetes. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Today's podcast is also sponsored by TrialNet. TrialNet is available at no cost to relatives of people living with type 1 diabetes. It is a risk screening that identifies type 1 in its earliest stages, often years before symptoms appear. Early detection allows you to take steps to try and change the course of the disease. TrialNet.org forward slash Juicebox. Tell them the Juicebox podcast sent you. I'm Constance. Uh, Constance West currently. Um, I will eventually change my last name. I have been a type 1 diabetic for 13 years now. Um, and I just have like a complicated medical history. I don't know. How do you? No, I know it's hard to introduce yourself. Wait, but I loved what you just said. I'm trying to figure it out. You you will change your name eventually. Oh yeah, sorry. I got married in February. Oh, I thought you were like I will make a conscious decision to change my last name at some point, or I was thinking you were thinking I think I will get married. Uh, oh no, I am married. Oh. I'm a married woman. Oh, you're a married woman. I sure am. Well, I'm a married man. <laughs> Great. <laughs> How old are you, Constance? I'm 26. 26. Yeah, I was 13 at the age of diagnosis. Okay. All right, so you're you're right at the, you've split your life now. 13 years with, 13 years without. I have, and you know, it was really funny. The day that I had my 13-year anniversary, I was working at the hospital that I was diagnosed at, and it was a really... It was kind of crazy. Um, my job, I work as a certified nursing assistant um, at one of our major hospitals in the area. I'm not going to say the name because I don't think I can. Um, and I worked there for five years. But I was diagnosed there. And it was it was good to be there. Like, I'm running around crazy doing my job. You know, I'm on my feet for 12 hours straight. And 
I texted my husband and I was like, there better be cake when I come home. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if any anniversary date I need cake, it's today. And he had gone out and we have a bakery close by and he had gotten me my favorite piece of cake. And I just sat at home and I was like, okay, this is good. I'd never spent my anniversary, my diabetes anniversary actually um, working before. So I think it was good to come full circle and just, you know, 13 years previously. My have, life had changed forever. Yeah. Did you have any like like flashbacky moments during that day where you walked around? Did you remember things? Um, no. Our hospital has changed completely in the 13 year time frame. Um, we have like two new wings. Um, and the emergency department is no longer where it used to be. Um, and so it there were no like flashbacks. Um, it was really funny when when I was diagnosed, um, well, my diagnosis story was I had just started junior high and junior high up here starts in the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're at a school with sixth graders to eighth graders. No, sorry. Seventh to ninth graders. Mm -hmm. Hi, Bubba. Um, seventh to ninth graders. And that was a child, right? Because if not, your dog can speak English. No, that's my dog. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What did it just say? Mom. It did, right? Yeah, he says mom. They both say mom. They're um, German shepherds. We have um, a boy German shepherd and a girl German shepherd, um, Lucy and Atlas, and they both say mom. Constance, I don't want to panic you, but there are aliens in your house posing <laughs> as German shepherds, and you should probably run away right now well i mean lucy alerts me to a little blood sugar so she's fine does she say anything when it happens no she she will jump on my chest like and usually so kyle my husband works evening shift um or actually they moved him to night shift recently so within the first um first like three or four months we got her he was working a lot of overtime and one night she just jumped on my chest. And I mean, she was probably like 35 pounds at the time. Uh -huh. And she would not get off of me. And I finally did a uh, check my blood sugar with, with, not with my Dexcom at the time. Um, and my blood sugar was low. Hmm. And she's continued to do that. Um, so she will alert me at my lows when I'm sleeping. And like my pump doesn't catch it or my Dexcom doesn't catch it fast enough. Because it's an alien. Listen, I know you love her and everything, but you have to leave the house. I, your husband works at Area 51 overnight, and he brought the dogs home. Is all this correct? No. Um, no. I feel like you're lying now to protect the dogs. Um, that's crazy. So you have a, a diabetes alert dog that chained itself? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And so when I like, when my head hits the pillow, like I'm so busy, when my head hits the pillow, I'm zonked. I'm mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Like when Kyle's home, we'll lay down to watch a movie and I'm gone within the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so whenever she will like jump up on the bed and she'll start whining, he always like pushes me and is like, check your blood sugar. <laughs> oh, how lovely and sweet. It's as if you're newlyweds almost. What a lovely story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog i'll fall asleep from working so hard all day then the dog will wake uh my husband up to let him know my blood sugar is low and he kicks me uh, mm -hmm. 
just mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. imagined at the wedding, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've we've been together and living together for three years, so I mean, it's not really any different. <laughs> you imagine all the people listening are like, the shine rubs off in three years? Does it really? Oh, God. Yeah, we weren't even married since March. I, I don't know. It's no different than when we weren't married. So oh, he kicked but, you when you were single as well. I, I mean, <laughs> is it single if you're in a relationship and you live together? I mean, I think technically it is. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I always thought of myself as married to him, anyways, because we were just like together. Oh, you're a hippie, though, Constance. By by way of where you grew up, so. I can't trust. I, I can't trust your social construct ideas because. Of oh the no, that's not that's not a norm <laughs> over here. I can tell you that for sure. Oh, living with um, one person. Yeah. Nope. 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 <laughs> All right. So you're 13. You're diagnosed. It's only yes. 13 years ago. So you came out with good insulin, right? What'd you get? We got Humalog and Lantus. Actually, can I just backtrack for a second? What if I, I said tell no? Story. Constance, what if I said no? <laughs> you can say no. No, I'm just teasing you. Go ahead. In um, the hospital, I did have like this last anniversary um, in March. Um, it was really funny when I was diagnosed. So like we had been trying to do a workup for actual cancer because I was so sick and like there was not really anything that the doctor could figure out my PCP. And so, and Mono was <clears throat> also going around at the junior high I was in. And so it, this was like a, a several week thing. I was so tired. I was not really actually peeing a lot. I was drinking a lot. Um, and um, it, they couldn't figure out what was going on, but they never did a glucose test. And then all of a sudden, one day we're in there and they're like, oh, we ran an A1C test and I actually found the A1C. Your A1C is 10.3. You need to go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital and like we're in the emergency department and we're waiting for the endocrinology team to come back. And some like general surgery resident is just like looking at me to make sure I'm okay as we're waiting for endocrinology to come down from clinic. And he goes, open your mouth because they're doing their system check. And he goes, oh my gosh, your uvula goes the wrong way. (laughs) And then like I had a whole herd of residents who came in through in and out of the emergency department room as I'm waiting to see endocrinology and they all just wanted to like open my over wanted me to open my mouth and check my uvula because they'd never seen a uvula that went forward and not backwards that's that listen does it really does it still do that yeah yeah is that the first time Um, you were aware of it yeah and so that will like that every year will get me because that's really what I remember from that day (laughs) or uvula goes the wrong way Oh my gosh, that's so bizarre! It can't even be the title of the episode. Um, I, you know, one time, Constance, somebody said to me, "Can I tell you a funny story?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they told it, and I thought the whole time they were telling, it, I was like, "This is not funny." Yeah, maybe that wasn't funny. It's always funny to me, though. Yeah, maybe you feel like this. No, I was amused this time. I'm just telling you, there was the one time while the person was telling the story, and all I could think was like, "This is this is not funny at all." <laughs> so you're it's okay. So. <laughs> tons of people look at your uvula um i i also am interested uh and i think everybody should be uh, you can tell a person who's living with autoimmune issues because you're like when i hear a funny story people thought i had cancer 
<laughs> but it wasn't anyway. Uh, I just have, and what do you have? You have type one, but you have other mm-hmm. stuff too. Yeah. So I have type one diabetes. I have Hashimoto's. I have, I always forget. Um, so I had been told that I have Sjogren's disease, um, which is your immune t- uh, immune system attacking your glands that secrete so like your mouth um and then the vagina sorry i'm gonna say that word a lot um and then lichen sclerosis which is the immune system attacking the genital tissue um and okay so you're a little soft-spoken so let me just say a couple things first so you had so I never can say this because they put dots above letters. And when they do that, you've lost me. But Sjogren's th- disease? Sjogren's. Sjogren's. A disorder of your immune system identified by two most common symptoms, dry eyes and dry mouth. Do you feel like you have that or you're just somebody told you you do? No. So I, I do have dry mouth and I do have dry eyes. Um, and then they can do an ANA and anti-nuclear antibody test, which is like kind of a standard. And at the time that I was told I had that it was, it was showing positive. Maybe it was for something else at the time. Um, but I have a neurologist that just went and did labs and my ANA is completely negative. So he's like, I don't think you have Sjogren's anymore if you ever even had it. But I do have constant dry eyes and constant dry mouth. Can last for years or be lifelong. Now, the next one, lichen sclerosis. sclerosis? Yes. Lichen sclerosis, or we can call it LS because it's also called that. Why don't we do that? So I don't have to say sclerosis again. In a long term, is a long term skin condition that mostly affects the genital and anal areas. It causes your affected skin to become thin, white, and wrinkly. It turns you into my grandmother. It is due to inflammation and other skin changes in the affected area. Common symptoms include itching, irritation, and painful sex. Wow. Yay. That, yeah. yeah. Less than two, a, a rare condition, by the way, yeah. which always makes it feel worse in my mind because they're like, you know, all the countless millions of people on the planet, only 200,000 a year get this thing. And they're like, great. So what's your first diagnosis in your life? Well, I also have pelvic floor dysfunction. Hold on. Pelvic floor dysfunction. Well, that pops right up on Google. That's interesting. Um, and then my my pelvic floor muscles are hypertonic. Your okay. Your pelvic floor muscles are hypertonic. Yes. And that doesn't mean they're like a bubbly drink at all. No. So hyper, just like high blood sugar, hypoglycemia, they are con- constantly contracted. Contracted. They're high. They're high tone. Okay, pelvic floor contractions can also be measured internally with a perion meter, which is a tampon-like sensor that can be placed in the vagina or rectum. I mean, they say only go one way with that. Uh, A protractum can also be used to diagnose pelvic floor dysfunction. Have you had this test? Um, yeah, so it's, um, what is it called specifically? A urodynamic test. So they like go in and what they do is they 
put a Foley catheter in to the urethra and they start filling the bladder full of normal saline. And then they also have the little probe that you were saying um, in the vagina. And then they measure how much the bladder can hold before it starts contracting and then making the pelvic floor muscles contracting. Um, And at that time, my bladder could only hold um, 62 mls mm-hmm. before it started having contractions equivalent to childbirth um, and so 62 mls is two ounces okay let's go slow because this isn't happening to me and i'm getting upset um let's go with what was your first diagnosis and how old were you was it the di- was it the diabetes it was a diabetes at 13 okay which now seems like passe, if I if I may say. <laughs> like, oh. You know, honestly, yeah, my diabetes is the only thing. Like, I, people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, how do I not do it? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it probably is the least of your issues, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, other than, like, when you have a really low blood sugar and you feel like shit. Right. No, no, I understand. Um, and by the way, it's cool that you cursed because you got my... You're supposed to go, you can go from one way to the other, but not the other way joke earlier. And you laughed under your breath and I really appreciated it because it's early in the morning. We should tell people uh, it is 8 a.m. here. It's the earliest I think I've ever recorded an episode. Not to say that it's super early, but it's five o'clock where you are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So thank you very much for doing this like this. Um, It was, um, and what happened? You had a doctor's appointment and we kind of got our, things messed up but my schedule so full like there's not a lot of options so yeah yeah i have a doctor's appointment and i thought that it was eastern standard time 8 a.m which i was like yeah fine 5 a.m my time no problem but it was Pacific standard time yes it's no big deal i'll sleep tomorrow great yeah it's not a big deal at all actually i'm joking i'm fine i, I think you might give me a nice day i should probably get up earlier to begin now people are like wait he's not up at eight o'clock usually i am up at eight o'clock i'm just not usually working at eight o'clock um, yeah. All right. So what comes after the type one? Um, what was really cool about my endo, um, she was constantly, when they would draw um, the A1C, she would also draw T3 and TSH. And so she caught my, Hash- not not even Hashimoto's, um, but um, hypothyroidism really early. So I was on um, 25 micrograms of levothyroxine until from like from I think it was 15 I was diagnosed with that so 15 all the way to 20 before we even need to do a dose change um and she caught it really early then she caught it super early um and then from 20 to now it's just been a freaking roller coaster of trying to get it under control and I think we finally have um and are you doing it just with T4? We have no, we I do levothyroxine and then lithothyroxine, thyronine. Hmm. Is that a T3? Uh, yeah. So not cytomel. Had you tried cytomel? No. No? Okay. So it's just a brand thing. Um, so now you have a good, so you, for people who don't understand, we're going to test my remembrance of this. Um, you are, you don't, you can't, you're not making the T4, but you're also having trouble picking it up, right? So the T3 
helps with that. It's all in the thyroid episode, people. It's one of the one of the stranger things that I I'm not good at remembering is the, the yeah. So I, I believe if my nursing education has stuck in my brain long enough, T3 is converted to T4 to go to the cells. But for, there's something about when you don't convert it or when you don't pick it up well, you can take right, yeah. right. Do and you, I just I think what it is is just it's not fast enough. Mm-hmm. It, it it just doesn't work fast enough. And I have seen a difference since starting the lyothyronine. Like I've always had fatigue and the fatigue is a little less. Again, I'm a very busy person, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm just constantly fatigued. If I could sleep all day long, I would probably sleep 20 hours a day. Yeah, that is a real serious um, implication of thyroid issues that people yeah. are just they're tired even when they get their medication right they can still be tired um, yeah yeah the t3 give you a little kick or no it it does and so we just saw my end last week and i was like can we titrate down on the tsh and go up on the <laughs> on the t3 medication i was like i just want to see if that's more helpful because at this point it's working but could it work better right. i like to push boundaries yeah, you have to be careful with the um. What is it I'm thinking of? Like you can start getting like teeth grinding or heart palpitations, yeah. jittery yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, there's a very narrow therapeutic range for um, thyroid meds. So I'm aware, and I do get those. If if the dose is off at all, I will get them, and they will come full force. And I just message and ask for labs and then we adjust. But um, she was like, yeah, we can do that. And it should be about the same amount that your, your body should normally make, but your thyroid's toast. So great. Okay. So did you have any other problems like in that, those years getting it together where your, did your hair keep falling out or do you have issues with weight or anything like that? Um, I never had had issues with weight until recently. Um, I've always had thin hair. It does get thinner. They did find a nodule on my thyroid. So we get that checked every year and make sure it's not cancer, mm-hmm. um, cancerous. Um, well, the but nodules, yeah, just like it, the nodules, sorry? I'm sorry to cut you off. The nodules indicate Hashimoto's. Yes. Right. And that's that's a common. If you have Hashimoto's, you are gonna you will likely see. So, what do you get? Like um, ultrasound? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but if we, they also tested for antibodies and they found them, which was the confirming diagnosis, because you can have a nodule without having the antibodies. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. Okay. All right. So, what came next? What came next? Um, the Sjogren's. The Sjogren's was next. All right. So can you kind of put into context for people like dry eyes, dry mouth? Is it a constant? Is it something that flares? How did it, how does it present? Yeah. Um, it kind of, the dry mouth is definitely constant. Um, and so what they tell you to do is to like, um, eat a candy, <laughs> you know, keep your mouth, keep your mouth, um, full of saliva by eating candy throughout the day. Sorry, I have diabetes. I don't, I can't just eat candy willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was never an option. Um, so chewing gum was how I would try to keep it, um, 
kind of wet and keep your mouth with the amount of saliva it's supposed to have and secrete enough saliva to be able to eat. Um, and then the dry eyes, it's, it just, it's kind of, it can be intermittent, but like from spring all the way through summer, usually it's pretty bad um, when it gets drier. Um, Do you have to use like wetting drops or mm-hmm, is it painful? Mm-hmm. And I have, I, when it gets really, really bad, I have specific ones for um, the immune suppression of the the lacrimal gland, I think it is. Hmm. Um of of it to like actually moisten the eye. I'm not exactly sure how it works, and I could have just said the completely wrong, wrong thing. Um, but yeah, so it, it's like an immune suppressant drug um, for your eyeballs. Um, and so when it's really bad, I use those. Um, but yeah, there's not really anything else that they can do for it. Is the dry mouth just irritating, or I guess it could have other impacts too, right? Like you could mm-hmm. end up with like more cavities because of that there's right and so that's what happened was i got more cavities and i maybe maybe the sjogren's has been lifelong and it just intermittently enough that it would just decay my teeth um but by the time that i was 18 i had so many cavities and at this time i mean i i was looking my a1c when i was diagnosed was 10.3 but i can go back and see labs all the way back and the highest that i ever had after that was like an 8.6 so my diabetes has never really been out of whack far yeah it's not it's been out of whack if you ask my parents but whatever um and my diabetes should not have caused the dry mouth or the decay in my mouth that happened and so by the time that I was 18 I had to have like $30,000 worth of dental work done, um, which insurance was did pay for, which was great um, because there was just so much decay going on. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the age of 21, I, my two front teeth, I was, where was I? was working I think I think I was at work and I was eating something and just both of my two front teeth just snapped holy crap wow they just snapped um and I had had a couple of other cavities that were working their way through on the upper and the bottoms after all of this dental work three years prior um and so we went into the dentist and the dentist was like well we can spend another thirty thousand dollars trying to fix all of these or we can just take all of your teeth out Okay, I'm going to put the ads here, but trust me when I tell you, Constance is just getting going. The really crazy stuff is yet to come. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. So all week I've been telling you what people on the private Facebook group have been saying about the advertisers. And TrialNet is no different. Jamie says, 
that after her son's diagnosis, she had her oldest son and herself tested just for the peace of mind. Katie tells me that TrialNet was able to help her keep a very close eye on one of her other kids and that her daughter was able to be diagnosed and start insulin very early because of TrialNet. She says we avoided DKA or even a hospital stay. Jill says that TrialNet helped her to know what was potentially coming with her kids. And due to that, they didn't have to be hospitalized when officially diagnosed with type 1. And they never went into DKA. Boy, this story pops up over and over again here. Carrie says TrialNet helped with an early diagnosis for our son, 18 months after the diagnosis of our daughter. There's a lot of a lot of sentiment in here about TrialNet. Um, I'll tell you, it's absolutely free. You can do it one of three ways. They'll send you an in-home test kit. You can go to a lab for a test or visit a TrialNet location. It's really worth your time. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. At some point during the process, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please say the juice box podcast, then complete the testing and send it back to them. And that's when the show gets credit when you send it back or go to a lab, not when you just order it. So if you guys are out there wanting to help me, you know, just ordering, it's not going to help. You have to complete the process. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. T1D family members are at a 15 times greater risk to develop type 1 diabetes than the general population. T1D risk screening will detect if you are in the early stages of T1. If you are identified as at risk, TrialNet is here to help you. They have prevention trials if your screening results show that you are in the early stages. You may be eligible to join a prevention study that is testing ways to slow or stop the disease progression. And you're eligible for ongoing monitoring by top type 1 diabetes researchers. And if you happen to develop type 1, being monitored in clinical research studies, like you heard from some of the listeners, decreases the chances of DKA. TrialNet says from 30% to 3%. TrialNet.org forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com to TrialNet, Jivo Kypopen, and all of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors through my links, you're supporting the show. I really appreciate that. All right, let's get back to Constance and really dig in. And give you ventures. Constance, I have to tell you, when I said that, I didn't know that. I, I have my hand up like I'm I have it on the Bible in a courtroom. Um I I just when I when I heard dry mouth, I thought, oh, like, you know, if people sleep with their mouths open, for mm-hmm. instance, a dentist will say that's one way you might end up with getting a cavity because the bacteria and you feed it with it anyway. Mm-hmm. But but I didn't know you were gonna say all that. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah. So they just took out your teeth and set you up with dentures. Yeah. How dentures. old were you then? I had 21. Happy birthday. Well, so yeah, a lot of people go out drinking or some people get dentures. So I, I'm going to stop for a second before we get to the other issues and ask you by then, five years ago, 21 years old, what's the psychological impact on you with all this? Like, how do you handle this? You know, it's, it's just the card that I was given. I, there's no way to handle it. I can't stop and break down. Um, I do stop and break down. Like when something's really affecting me, I do. And I cry and I cry and I cry. And my poor husband will just sit there and try to help me. And he has no idea what to do. Um, 
And then I get up, literally, it'll be like, okay, I'm done crying now. I'll get up and I'm like, okay, well, I got to go on. Got to keep doing what I got to do. And that's, that's it. Like there's, and my motto is like, every day gets better. Like, yeah, today, right now, this feeling sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks, but I'm doing things that will have a prolonged effect in my life. And hopefully I won't have to be here forever. And, um, it's, it is just kind of like what gets me through the day. I will say you usually ask people if there's any other autoimmune funky stuff going on in families. I'm the only one with anything wrong. Well, I am yeah. one of six children. Okay. Um, my parents don't have any siblings. Their parents are mostly all dead. Um, but there is nothing autoimmune. Oh, sorry. My great, great grandfather. We learned before he passed away that he had um hypothyroidism but it wasn't until like way later in life he had only been on it for like two years what about just like dental issues even that i mean my dad um my dad had dental issues but his were due to a dentist in his 20s leaving um like a needle in his gum Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't say that again. Okay. Look, none of us want you to say a dentist left the needle in your dad's gum again because that is going to kill every. That was the chilliest thing anyone's ever said to me on the podcast. I was like, it just ran right up my spine. I was like, oh, oh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Hold on a second. Well, the the truth. Wow, you really got me with that one. The the Sorry. The, the, <laughs> the truth is, um, no one else in your family can have an autoimmune disorder. Constance, because you took them all. Okay. <laughs> literally, literally. I, I joke with people and I'm like, I just won the genetic lottery. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you just, you're greedy and you took every one of them. Um, okay. So we're left with what can, can I guess was pelvic floor next? Um, yeah. Wow. Look at me getting good at this all right well i i would say no, no i would damn. say these things so i would say pelvic floor dysfunction as long as i can remember is the same as um the lichen sclerosis and i'm gonna say with the lichen sclerosis the only way to actually make a con- confirmation for lichen sclerosis is they do a biopsy of the skin tissue which might give you a tingle as well up your spine um so they did one recently um, but I have been on topical steroids for that in the area for well over a year. And they had me stop for two weeks and it came back as contact dermatitis, which is just inflammation of the tissue. Um, and it didn't come back as like sclerosis. Um, okay. But with the way that my tissue clinically looks, the doctor's like, we're just going to retest in a couple of months if you can handle being off the steroid and see if it comes back positive, because she's like, there's no way this isn't lichen sclerosis. Um, but the only way to like actually get the tissue to kind of go back to its normal is just off the steroid. Um, but let's go back pelvic floor dysfunction um, and the lichen sclerosis. So for as long as I can remember, um, I would tear in the genital area and not like real bad. Um, but it, it would just happen and then it would you do a little aquaphor and it heals. It's fine. Um, and pelvic floor dysfunction. I 
have always had like heavy periods, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the hypertonic pelvic floor. Um, and so basically what it is, is like my pelvic floor muscles, they're a big bowl and they hold, um, like they hold our, the uterus and, uh, the vagina, and then it holds the bladder and everything kind of below the di- diaphragm, um, up. Well, mine is literally like up above my navel, <laughs> basically. Like my pelvic floor is so far up. It's so tense. It's so far up. Hmm. Um, and so it's always caused issues with sex. I just didn't know that was a thing. Hmm. Um, and so, so, so two years ago, I out of nowhere got a kidney infection. Um, and I think that kind of threw it all for a loop. Because since getting that kidney infection, and I honestly have no idea where that kidney infection came from. I actually think it's from one of the lakes here because I was swimming in the lake a couple of days prior. And I, I, there was no way that I would have, I've never had a kidney infection before. Um, and so I go in because I started peeing blood one night and they do the scan and everything and they're like yeah kidney infection and it gets worse and it gets worse because like when you go in with your symptoms it takes three days at least for the antibiotics to kick in and it was over a long weekend so of course you can't get in to see anybody right away and the antibiotics weren't working it's kidney infections are so painful um And then once that was relieved, I always had the, like, and my urethra would burn, 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 burn. Um, And so I was still having that symptom of this burning urethra on and off. And then I started having cramping that would literally drop me to the floor. Mm. Um, And so I was referred to a urogynecologist. and they did a cystoscopy, which is putting just fluid in the bladder to check if there's any tears from the infection, and there wasn't. And so they kind of just sent me on my merry way um, and said, here, take this medication if you are having the urethra spasming, and you'll be fine. So I dealt with that um, up until last July. So we're talking like a full year wow. of I have a couple of, of, uh, couple of those symptoms. So the um, the the steroid medication and the issues with the LS is that internal or external? That's external. External. Okay. And hold on a second. The pelvic floor. Like, what are the real world implications of it? Like in your day to day life, how does it impact you? Yeah. So. Um... I can't, we can't have sex. Um, um, I will just have spasming. And again, it'll kind of just like drop. I kind of have to like drop whatever I'm doing. It used to literally drop me to the knees. It doesn't do that anymore. Um, So I have like a team of doctors that we're all kind of like working together, but not in the same clinic. So not actually on the same team, but I, I, so we had COVID that hit. Right. Right. Um, and so I went from not seeing my PCP at all, um, 
and I couldn't get into an appointment with her. Like they weren't doing in-person appointments, but I had a tear that happened in March of last year. Yeah. March, 2020 that lasted all the way till like middle of June. And I mean, it was pretty deep. It was pretty bad. And like Aquaphor wasn't working. And so I was like, called the office and I was like I need to get in I need to see somebody and I need to see somebody in person because I need somebody to look at this like this is no long like it it was so hard because it's like oh we're in the middle of a pandemic and the pandemic was so new at that time but I was like I cannot do my daily activities of living because it is just so painful and so I went into my PCP and she looked at it and she was like, this is not my specialty. And she sent me back to the urogynecologist and the urogynecologist was asking all of these questions and just questions that they hadn't asked before, or maybe I wasn't getting the right answers. It's so hard to know which, which it was. Um, and she was like, okay. She looked at everything and she was like, oh my God this is not my wheelhouse either. Like I cannot help you here, um, but I can help you with the like urethral spasming I was um, complaining of and feeling. And um, so we we had we scheduled another follow-up appointment. Once I got the confirming diagnosis, she sent me to a um, the vaginal dermatologist, <laughs> a vaginal dermatologist. Which none of us um, knew there was. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, right. But the funny thing was, like, I went to the vaginal dermatologist, but I two days prior, I had gone to a dermatologist as well because I had a couple of moles that popped up and were weird and they were scaring me. So I went into the dermatologist and she didn't look at my vaginal skin at all. Um, so this vaginal dermatologist looked at everything and she was like, yep, this is lichen sclerosis. Um, but the urogynecologist had already started me on, it's called Clobetazole, um, the topical steroid. And we were doing that at that point because I think it took three weeks to get into her. I had been doing it every day for three weeks, which was too much of it to get a biopsy. Okay. So um, can I, I... Can I ask ahead. you a couple of questions? So when you say you can't have sex, is that constantly or during flare-ups um, I have not had a time that I've not been flared up. Okay. And so when, when you, I'm assuming you've tried sex. Yeah. yeah. Um, what so I, what happened, um, it's so funny prior to this pelvic floor dysfunction, um, my husband and my husband had a couple of like long-term girlfriends prior to me were actually like old high school sweethearts, which is an old story. Oh, that takes quite a while to tell, but um, he had several girlfriends, and he was like, "I've never not gotten them to orgasm, and I've never, <laughs> I've never gotten them, I've never um, orgasmed so fast." Because my husband, oh my god, he'll orgasm in two seconds. I'm not kidding you. When he gets inside of me, it's the worst thing ever, especially if I'm trying to enjoy myself. Um, <laughs> And so we always think that there was something wrong with him. I was like, there's something wrong with you. We need to get you into some sort of therapy. So you're not just going every two seconds. <laughs> Come to find out it was me. So, <laughs> it was my body. So you're in, but so you're trying to have intercourse and you're in pain. I'm in pain. Yeah. But, but 
the the implication to him is there's like seven thousand vaginas on him, like and yes. doing the hard work, and so he can't yes. like okay, so I yes. I'm gonna have to beep this out, I imagine, but so you're like amazing at stuff, right? Ew, no, no, <laughs> no. It's so it's funny. I I don't know if this when I was eighteen, I was doing my CNA classes, and the first time I actually ever saw a penis was when they were shoving a urethral catheter in it. Um, down at one of our major hospitals and I was like gross so penis is really grossed me out um, <laughs> honestly if I'm gonna be honest Were you, um, did let me ask a serious question on that is was it hard to date for you because of all of your issues um hard to date I've I've never been one to like date date if I went on a date with the boy, it was because I already liked them and saw something in them that I thought would be acceptable as a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, I had one relationship that lasted four years. Um, and then the one previous to Kyle was um, a year and a half. And he ended up ghosting me um, just out of nowhere. And then I've been with Kyle for three years. Um, so what do you do? Do you just take one for the team once in a while? Yep. Oh, sure do. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, he tries. God, he tries as hard as he possibly can. Um, and so we, it, we can have sex. I, I don't want, let's see. How do I explain this? I don't know, but go ahead and try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I have no qualms about explaining it, but um, let's see. Okay. So things will get there will be touching and touching is sometimes okay. I really have to be in the right mindset. I have to be calm. They gave me some muscle relaxers that are really helpful. So it's not like we can't just out of nowhere spontaneously have sex. I have to take these muscle relaxers 45 minutes to an hour beforehand, which does not work very well with my husband when he wants to have sex. Um, Well, you he's like, no, let's do cardio. it now. You should turn it into cardio. You take the muscle relaxers, then run away from him for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Something. But the muscle relaxer really does help. Um, and so I'll take the muscle relaxer and um, it kind of that will help relax everything. So he will touch me mm-hmm. and try to get it. And, and like, it'll take a while to get um the juices flowing how would you say yeah vaginal juice flowing to be honest Um, with you i think if i said that um i i don't think it would go over well but i'm i'm sure it's fine that you said (laughs) to get the vaginal juices flowing i once thought if we're okay then he'll try to penetrate if you want to get technical and um if he doesn't come within 10 seconds my body will actually reject him like my muscles will reject him out of my body no kidding no not so kidding at all he's... it happens all the time okay um do, hold on do you i'm asking because of the part of the country you're in i guess more than anything have you tried like drugs like recreational drugs no i don't i'm See, you don't seem like a person who would try that, which is, but I wanted to see if it was bad enough that I honestly thought to myself that was going to be your answer. Um, But, but I just thought maybe it's been, have you ever talked about it? Like in therapy? 
no, like between the two of you, like maybe we should try smoking weed and doing this or something like that? Oh, I mean, my husband smokes weed. I just don't, I, well, I could get drug tested at any time. I'm in nursing school and I'm also a, a working. Okay. So. so not that I'm saying to do this, but has, does alcohol have any impact on it? Um, so I can't drink alcohol either because I also have chronic yeast infections. Of course you do. Right. No, I don't know why I didn't just assume that. I'm sorry. Um, Literally chronic. From well before even being diagnosed with the diabetes, I can remember having yeast infections and they've been ongoing since. So there, it's like this with my, my, which is the reason I emailed you and asked if you wanted to do a after dark episode. So like I have the, um, chronic yeast infections that have never gone away. I have stumped every um, infectious disease doctor I've seen. We're still trying to figure it out. Um, And then I have the lichen sclerosis, which came back as contact dermatitis, which is its own thing. And then the pelvic floor dysfunction. When I have a fissure, when I have a tear, which is another word for it because it fissures and tears, um, the yeast gets inside it, makes it more inflamed, which sets off my pelvic floor. Wow. All right. Well, this and is well. This is a this is an after dark. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna ask you another question that seems like an obvious question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to, but I feel like for we need to understand fully. Do you do it? No. I wouldn't either. By the way, if I was you, just I'm just <laughs> just I just thought I would ask. Um, are your hands super soft? How does this work? <laughs> I, my husband's just really patient. Well, no, he's a saint. I'm pretty certain. Um, and I, 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 who, by the way, I'd I you know there's, it's so funny. Too. It's so funny. Our girl dog Lucy, she's in heat right now, and she, she Kyle told me as I was leaving for work yesterday, he was like, she got on top of Atlas and started humping him the other day, and I was like, hmm, same thing when I'm trying to have my period. I just want to hump you. <laughs> so I was not- like, it's the hormones that are released, and he was like, yeah. It's dumb, and I just left. <laughs> but none of this impacts your desire, though. I mean, I'm assume psychologically. No, no, I love my husband. I want to have sex with my husband. Right. Um, it just doesn't. My brain doesn't work with my vagina. Do you do stuff to? I'm just gonna ask you. Like, do you do things that, like, do you like bring like the back of your knee into it, or like what do you do to like any? I don't even know what to say. I'm at a bit of a loss here. I only know the classic ways to do it. So, but do you see what I'm saying? Do you guys get like, try to figure something out or do you just, I mean, we've definitely, we've definitely tried. So I, I, in October I had surgery. Um, they put in a neuro, um, a nerve stimulator, um, of my sacral nerve. So like, usually they'll do this for people because, um, pelvic floor dysfunction is usually it usually happens after pregnancy right and it usually happens in the elderly population mm-hmm. and again that's usually usually hypotonic muscles where they are have just been too stressed either due to age or pregnancy that they are not tight enough mine are too tight so if you were to like if we were to turn on the video i could show you like usually your your pelvic floor muscles actually sit in your pelvic floor where you're like you know your eight your legs connect you know it sits there mine sits above like my belly button basically um and so um the pelvic floor muscles then move kind of like all of the organs up with it you could say wow um 
Constance, so real we quick, had, when you said yeah. you, if we had the video on, you could show me, you meant with your hands, not you were going to show me oh. your vagina, right? No, I don't want to know. You don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I've never personally seen it, but I'm sure you don't want to. I, see I, I just it. have to tell you, like, because if that's where you were going, I've recorded like 600 of these, and that would have been the first time somebody said, if you want, I can <laughs> clip this on and show you my genitals. <laughs> but no, I knew you meant like you were making some hand gestures yeah. that you would. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, we we did this like diary log of me peeing and like the spasming I was feeling and at that time in October I was peeing like 16 times a day I'm in my first semester of nursing school I'm driving three hours at least every week I I work a very high demand job that I'm on my feet for 12 hours two days a week right now and I'm going to be a bedside nurse you know you're on your feet for three shifts for 12 hours a week once I'm done with nursing school going to the bathroom 16 times a day is not effective to get any of that done like let me just be clear you're in the bathroom your urethra is spasming as you're trying to stop peeing and then your pelvic floor contracts and it's just you end up sweating sitting there on the toilet like you're you've just eaten really bad takeout like right 16 times a day um (laughs) i I love how 16 times a day i want to tell you something there's something interesting going on about you right because at your core you're kind of a proper young lady and no but no no no, i'm not hold on hold on but you have so many things going on. You really don't have the time to be proper and you've right. Right. But I think had, do you think if none of this had happened to you, would you be a little bit of a teetotaler or do you think you'd be going crazy? Like, what do you think your like, core feeling is about life? My core feeling about life? I think, you no, know, my sister's kind of like me. I, yeah. I think I would kind of be the same thing. I just have a lot less sh- going on yeah no no but your attitude is impeccable by the way like i uh, seriously you have so many things going on with you that if it was the 1600s people would think you were a witch and put you on trial like, like oh yeah the, for yes, sure 100 you'd be at a witch trial so yeah. um <laughs> she makes men's penises explode <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i think that alone would have gotten you burned so um <sighs> But you have an an amazing attitude, like even wanting to like tell somebody about this is is really lovely because you're not the only one I would imagine. And I can't imagine that a lot of people are excited to run around and tell these stories. Um, And your husband is obviously a person who loves you, which is that I mean, that's lovely in and of itself. Um, especially when I asked about the mouth stuff and you said, ew, because I just assumed that's how you guys got through. Um, no, but, you know, he'll ask me and I'm like, nope, not today. Yeah. He's a boy. No. We ask constantly. It's literally I'm in like, the front of our head. Con- I was at a, um, a funeral once and it's what I was wondering about. So. Oh God. <laughs> we're tortured. Um, no, but, I'm like, you have lefty, like go hang out with lefty. <laughs> All right. Do you make most of the money? Um, not currently, he okay. does, but I, I will in a year. Uh, I was just thinking, like, maybe he was like, all right, but such a good earner, this Constance. Um, what made you want to be a nurse? I'm assuming having scads of medical issues. Um, no, it was definitely the care that I got in the hospital when I was diagnosed because the 
um, diabetes educators that I had as well as until I was 18 with the care that I had at the hospital um, was diabetes educators. So they were just wonderful. And I hated my endo. That whole entire five years, I had the same endo minus the times that she was pregnant and she was pregnant like three or four times um, um, when she was on leave. But um, my diabetes educators were just wonderful. And I find as a type one diabetic um, at my core, because if you really were to boil me down to one disease, I would just say type one diabetes because it, it it's my longest lasting disease. It's not going anywhere. It, it can affect everything else. Um, and I just want to be helpful to future diabetics and families. And I, I think that's why I enjoy listening to your podcast so much is because you speak so much truth mm. and like diabetes educators. And a lot of times it's because I can't speak truth of what diabetes is actually like in the, the peaks and the valleys. Um, but just being that person and knowing that these families who are going through such a, it's traumatic. It's so traumatic. Having diabetes on a daily basis, I feel like is traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, some days, not every day, but it can be traumatic. And just having somebody to be like, okay, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're doing. What's not working? Because we would do that with my with my um, certified diabetes educators, the nurses, because they had had diabetes for forever. One of them, her name was Barb. She's still actually at the hospital. Um, and she was diagnosed at the age of four, you know? And mm. so if we were ever having any problems, we would call her, not the hospital and say, Hey, this is what, what's going on. What's what, what do you think? What should we do? Yeah. And it, it, it's just, and the only way to be a certified diabetes educator is through being a nurse or through being a nutritionist. And I've taken nutrition class and classes. I could have become a nutritionist, but in case something were to ever happen to my husband and I was a single mom and I needed to find work as a nurse, you can find more work than as a nutritionist. So I went with nursing. Hmm. Good for you. That's really, I mean, it's the, the whole story is, I mean, it's terrible. Obviously, I have nothing but compassion for you. But the way you handle it is is astonishing. Why do you think? Why do you think you're able to do that? It's a question nobody ever is able to answer. But yeah, and doctors ask me that too. They're like, "You can't be living in a body with all of this happening and going on at once." I'm like, "The heck, I can't. I sure am. I'm doing it, and I'm doing everything else that everybody else is doing." So, um. I I can do it and I am doing it. It doesn't mean I don't have times that stop me and I have to kind of readjust what I'm doing. But I, I honestly think it's just like, I lived for so long with the diabetes. You know, when I was diagnosed, my thought was, okay, I'm just going to make it to 18. You know, like we, we were given basically, and this was 2008. I don't know why the doctors did this, but they were like, you're probably going to end up dead sooner than later. And in 2008? Again, yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. They they gave my parents a max of 30 um, is what they said. Really? And really, yeah. I don't know why. Man, they're all hippies. Um, they're stoned out of their mind. They can't think. You guys got to stop smoking the weed long enough up there, right? 
Do your job. Well, we saw some illegal then. What's no? That didn't stop anybody in the upper northwest it being the elite. Do you think that weed being illegal stopped people from smoking weed? Oh no, oh, okay. no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's smoking it now. Anywhere you go, <laughs> just it's it's just Disgusting. everywhere. It's a cloud of. Uh, literally <laughs> of skunk <laughs> that's funny well you guys should be able to get decent stuff it shouldn't be that bad um no i mean it's just uh, listen i've spoken to a lot of people and i don't think that people have a good attitude or what would be perceived as a bad attitude on purpose i don't think anyone's reaction is mindful Meaning, I don't right. think something happens to somebody and then they go, well, let me decide. Will I be upbeat and cheery about this or am I going to act like a prick? Like, that's not what happens. Like, whatever your reaction is, is your reaction. But, I mean, were your parents, like, fantastic parents? Did you have, like, an idyllic childhood until you were 13? Or do you <laughs> just have, is, is it just a good disposition? Is there anybody in your family that has your disposition that you could point to? Mm-mm. No. No. You're just going to live your life. Like, this is it. This is what I get. Yeah. And I, I think, again, diabetes, because, like, I could literally die in the middle of the night from a little blood sugar. I I have my A1C just came back the other day. It's like, I am fine, you know, but something could happen. You know, my sight could fail. And I, before I wake up, I die from something. You know, I can get, I live my life as, like, I could get into my car and I could freaking die because some moron hits me. Right. You know, and that's just kind of like, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'll be here. Like, and it is what it is. Like diabetes is not going to stop me. And uh, there have been several people who throughout my life have tried to stop me because of my diabetes, mainly educators and telling me I wasn't worth the time. I wasn't going to make it. I was too dumb. Um, and it just wasn't worth their time because it, it would take too long and Constance, I wasn't worth it. Constance, I've been speaking to you for 57 minutes now. You've not come off as dumb once. Why would someone think that about you? Um, Probably because I was 13 at the time. <laughs> and all 13-year-olds are dumb. <laughs> were you going to the... Uh, where, where was your endocrinologist? In the middle of the woods or something? What did, where did you... Seattle. Oh. I mean, I watch Grey's Anatomy, so I think of Seattle as being the hub of good health care. Is that not true? I mean, uh, I have so I'm I could talk to you for myself. days, Scott. That's I could talk to you for days. Since I'm laughing at myself because I have commingled a television show with reality in my mind. <laughs> I was out in Seattle recently. And I know. Yeah, right? And um, I was uh, disturbed to find that I think Seattle Grace from Grey's Anatomy is actually a set in Los Angeles and not really yes. in Seattle. Yes, it is. It's not shot in Seattle see, at people all. People are like, do you want to see the Space Needle? I'm like, no, where's Seattle Grace? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a real hospital at all. Yeah, I found out. It's okay. Um, I was actually so busy when I was there, time-wise. I didn't see anything. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I saw that mountain that finally came. I love the... Um, there's a, I think I've mentioned it in another episode, but there's a colloquial phrase that people use around there. They say, when the mountain is out. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, that's, not Rainier. Yes, but when the mountain is out, it isn't actually a sensible statement. The mountain's always out, it's when the sky is clear. But yeah. I, I get the idea. And it was lovely. Like the first person that saw, said it to me, I thought, like, oh, 
that's nice. They don't understand English. And then, <laughs> then that's fine. But then when the fifth and sixth and 20th person said, oh, wait till the mountain comes out so you can see it. I was like, all right, this is a thing these people say. Um, Did you see it? Did you see Mount Rainier? One day I got a really great look at it. Yes. Is it not breathtaking? It's astonishing. And and I will tell Y'all you- think the mountains are like dirt compared to us. So it's amazing. I think the most fascinating aspect of it was that we arrived on a Saturday night. And I remember being a traffic light. And it was late at night. Like, don't get me wrong. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning, right? So it, my time. So it was probably 10 or 11 your time. Um, I was exhausted. We were sitting at a traffic light. You can't see anything, obviously, because it's dark. The next day you're out. I'm sitting at that traffic light again. I don't see anything. Um, three and four days go by. And finally, we're at this place. And I get a text from from Chris, the guy that put us up. Uh, for the first week, uh, for put me and Cole up, and then Cole moved on to housing. But um, he said, oh, when you get out of there today, you're going to see the mountain. And I was like, oh, great. And what astonished me was that in the 35-minute ride back to Chris's home from where we were, the mountain was almost always visible. Mm-hmm. And all I could think is we had taken this ride about a dozen times already, and I had no inclination of where the mountain was. And that was fascinating to me, like just to turn a corner and be like, whoa, that was not there yesterday. Um, So I get this thing. I do get the saying when the mountain's out because it feels like it just decides to appear. Literally. Yeah, it's very cool. It really is. Um, Anyway. Is there anything else wrong with you that we didn't talk about? Oh, God. Um, My husband has bipolar. Oh, okay. That's not that's not you, though. No, but I mean, I have a funny disposition in your in your thought process. Um, others would not. Um, but yeah, I. It's funny because his is you know like a chronic illness, and we just got the diagnosis in like May. Um, finally, we've been dealing with really bad, severe depression. Um, and I. Don't get me wrong. As a teenager, I was definitely like defiant. I would make my mom mad because I would give myself insulin for my genes or, you know, my blood sugar would stay around 210 and I wouldn't care. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not check my blood sugar, but I would take my insulin. And, you know, I kind of was just a little defiant with it. I didn't want it. I still don't want it, but I deal with it. Um, And then one day I was like, okay, well, this is not getting me anywhere. I better just take care of it and so you know my my definite motto is even with everything that is going on and even though my pelvic floor sucks and my skin is caring and I have a yeast issue that nobody can freaking figure out um and get rid of every day gets better and that literally is my motto like everything sucks right now and it might suck this second but tomorrow is a new day and tomorrow it'll get a little bit better and I'll look back in 10 years and be like wow look at how far I've come because even in just like the 13 years of diabetes it's come so far the fact that I have an insulin pump on my hip and a continuous glucose monitor that works and works well um is just amazing And my husband is so early in his diagnosis with his bipolar. He's just like, I don't know. I can't, I can't function. I can't do anything. And like, it's so like both chronic illnesses, right? His is not going to go away. We have to figure out how to deal with it. 
And I, I just take on that motto and he has not yet <laughs> done that. So hopefully one day he will. Um, but I just, I think it, you really do just have to like be honest with yourself and tell yourself that like, this really sucks. Yeah. And I don't have answers right now. I don't have a way that is conductive to actually having sex that will work with my husband but maybe in a couple of years everything will slow down and hopefully we'll be able to have sex and you know it it kind of is what it is and uh, possibly having the new diagnosis of pcos um which i'll find out today um is just like well fuck. Yeah. just god damn it yeah. another goddamn thing right another Sorry, no, I don't no, mean no. to say that no, like that. Fine. But like, you know, one more thing. Like, and we had a we had our anniversary the other day, and um, our dating anniversary, and I had that day gotten back the high testosterone, and I was like, I don't even feel like a woman anymore. Like, I can't have sex. I now have more testosterone than I have estrogen in my body. <laughs> um, I already have an IUD. Like that was one of the immediate things I did when we got together. I was like, we're not having children until if we can even have children. I was like, we're not having children until I'm done with nursing school. So we're going, I'm getting an IUD and going off of oral birth control. Um, and the main factor was like, I'm allergic to latex and non-latex condoms are so expensive when we were trying to have sex. Um, and so um I got an IUD and even with the IUD my testosterone is like through the roof and I'm like when is this ever going to just stop and I sat there I was all pretty I was in makeup for the first time for a year and I started bawling at dinner and he just reached over and grabbed my hand and he just sat there and was quiet and I had my little moment and I wiped my eyes and I was like all right mm. <laughs> let's change the conversation <laughs> what, what were some of the things that led to you thinking you might have PCOS oh um in May my um I had bilateral upper and lower like it feels kind of like an electrical socket is hooked up to my nerves um that just happened literally overnight it was the it was the legs one night and then the following morning it was my arms. Um, and then June 6th, I was at work and I was charting um, and my middle finger became completely immobilized. Um, and then it spread to all of my fingers on my right hand and then my wrist got contracted in a very weird position, kind of like it was sitting on a mouse as well. And it got stuck like that. And so we went to the ED because it, at that point I had to leave work, but nothing was resolving it. Um, I couldn't move it. I could not move my fingers. I could not move my hand by myself. I could not move my wrist, but I could move my elbow on that right side. And so they, they did an x-ray, they did CT scans, they did an MRI and they're like, we can't figure this out. Here's a brace. Here's a sling, go home and follow up with these doctors. So one of them was a neurologist. Um, and now I forget your question. No, your question? I just I was wondering about like what you saw about PCOS, like what made you. Think oh yes, so the neurologist was like literally spent an hour and a half in the room with me a couple weeks ago, 
and was like, I think it could be um, sleep apnea. He was like, it could be neuropathy. It could be MS, which it was not MS, thank God. Um, nothing against MS, but we don't need another autoimmune disease. Um, he goes PCOS because of the fatigue you always had. Um, and did I say sleep apnea? Yeah, you did. Okay. Sleep apnea. Okay. All right. Um, so he ran, he ran a bunch of labs and the testosterone came back high right. and said, here you go. Go to a gynecologist. All right. Well, I have one last question for you and then I can let you go. Oh, you're fine. So, um, I, I, I'm wondering, does, how do I, how do I wonder this? Your husband, has he been depressed most of the time you knew him? You just have a diagnosis of bipolar now? My husband has been clinically depressed for, my God, how old are we? We were 15. So do you, um, okay, that's fair. So do you, how does that, how do you make a decision to be with a depressed person? Is it, is it you, you love them before you know? Um, so then, or is it, is there any piece of like you feeling like there's so much wrong with me that, and he's accepting of that. I need to be accepting of his thing. Like what's that dynamic? Like, does that make sense? That uh, question. So yeah, he, um, we, we're together like our freshman year of high school and then his parents are going through a nasty divorce. His mom moved to Indiana with him and the rest of the kids, right? So they were there for 10 years and we've been best friends, you know, like we ended our relationship fine, you know, whatever, we were 14. Um, and we've just been best friends and we'll talk to each other um, throughout it. And like, he would always come to me with things that were going wrong with in his relationships and I'd be like, dude, you gotta like fix yourself like you're kind of the problem um and eventually his girlfriends would ditch him um and his so that went on for 10 years um forever it seems um and then my parents left for indiana 10 years ago because of my dad's job and my boyfriend previous to kyle just ditched he just like stopped responding to any of my text messages and I couldn't get a hold of him. He's alive. He's still friends with my sister's husband. Um, but just completely dropped off the face of the planet for me. Um, and my husband, I was talking to my, my husband now and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like my parents are literally leaving in a week and like, I have no place to live. Um, and he was like, I'll just come be with you. And I was like, all right. So I got on an airplane and we drove home and um, we've been together since, but like I knew he had depression. I didn't know the extent of it. Right. Right. Cause like, if you're talking to somebody over text message, it's completely different than actually living day to day, Sure. you know? And so the first, he came in June that year, three years ago. And so our, our winter here gets so bad. Like you literally will wake up the sun doesn't rise until like 9am I feel like it's probably not right but and then it's gone you know like we have a couple of hours of overcast um and so it got really bad and I would come home I was in school I was finishing up my prereqs for nursing um I was still working full-time at that time so I was working 
three hour, 12, three, 12 hour shifts. And, um, I would come home and he was working at Lowe's then and he would just be in bed and he hadn't moved if he wasn't working or if he had gone to work, he would come home and immediately go back to bed. And I was like, this is not acceptable. And I was like, if you want to stay with me, you need to go get help. Like you need to go to the doctor and either get some sort of pharmaceutical help and you need to get a therapist and you need to start working through your, like, this is not acceptable. This is not how a normal person lives their life. Um, and it's not, it's not okay. Like I cannot be at school. I cannot be at work worried if you've even gotten up to like eat today, basically. And I do like all the cooking and all of the cleaning and, um, the, the making of the food just because I'm so particular with what I eat and I need to know the amount of insulin I, I need to take, you know? Um, and so he was like, fine. And then he got on meds. So he's been on meds for three years, but it just has continuously gotten worse and worse. And even with all the medications and the medication changes, and he started seeing a psychiatrist um, who was like, yeah, I think this might just be your expectations with how you thought your life would be at this point or not how they are. I see this a lot in men your age, try this medication. Um, and it it just, at that point, it's like, I do, I love him. I adore him. And it's when he is okay and his mood is stable, he's totally fine. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the depressive aspect of like, he gets so deep, so deep. I don't even know how to explain it, that it's just like, and for me with diabetes and the lifelong illness, it's so hard to understand that because I'm like, you just need to get up and go freaking shower, go shower, it's like just do a normal thing. And I, I mean, I am, I'm going to be a nurse. I understand the mechanics and the science behind what's going on, but actually living with it. That way, right. Right. It's so hard. Like I literally, it's a hormone thing. It's an imbalance, man. That's what I tell him all the time. Like, what would you do if I didn't take care of my diabetes? Especially when things get bad. I'm like, if I didn't take care of my diabetes and I had to have worst case scenario, something amputated, you wouldn't want to be with me. You wouldn't want to take care of me. Like you wouldn't, you would end up regretting being with me at some point, whether it was a decade or two or three, you know? I'm I'm like, you are doing the same thing. You're not taking care of your illness and you're not taking care of yourself and you're not doing it justice to our marriage or to me. Um, and he, that really resonates with him. And he, he's like, okay, okay. I get it. I see it. Um, that and makes so, him try. huh? Does that, does that get him to try when he's feeling better? It, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it will make him, it will make him cry. Like he, and I think that's like my big gun is like, Hey dude, like, come on, you see how hard it is. And I'm not saying that like your bipolar isn't hard. Um, but like you need to get out of bed. You, I know it's hard. I get it to an extent, but like we have a life to live and I'm not going to live my life like this. So you need to. So no matter what's going on for you or for him, you, you want to do, you want to just, whatever the best foot is, you want to put it forward. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my husband will say, if you were to ask him me at my core, he would just say, she just never stops moving. 
never she's just go 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 but that's just if I stop literally again I would fall asleep for 20 hours straight I wouldn't move um (laughs) and he 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 will be like can you just slow down for 10 seconds just slow down just just be here with me and I'm like fine (laughs) fine all right well listen you have done something here today that I appreciate very much um honestly being this like clear about all the different issues um is wow. is really is a lovely thing you've done for everybody listening. I do so I do want to say lichen yeah, sclerosis um is actually I asked the I asked the vaginal dermatologist I asked her what population of people with lichen sclerosis do you see have diabetes and she told me 90% whether that's type 1 or type 2 she goes usually it's later in life it'll pop up and they will get it because again, it's an autoimmune issue. It's the immune cells are attacking the skin and it's, it's crazy. Um, and so if you're going to a dermatologist, women who type one diabetes, if you have children, you probably don't have to worry about it. Please have them look at your skin, your vaginal skin. Um, you have a higher rate of having lichen sclerosis because you have type one diabetes. Um, and then lichen sclerosis if it goes unchecked and we're talking like 20 30 years if it goes on without being treated you have a higher chance of getting squamous cell carcinoma and it's so hard to treat so please just have your dermatologist look at your vagina yeah that's it that's our takeaway have your dermatologist look at your vagina that's definitely right yeah Yeah, 100 percent I think that I think that's a great and get idea. a biopsy. Please get a biopsy first. It's Don't a- start treatment without a biopsy. That, that would be it too. All right. So listen, next time anyone calls with one of these ideas, we can't do it this early in the morning. <laughs> but I just I I um, I was like I, as we're talking, I was like I, I looked up at the clock and I'm like it's not even nine a.m. yet. At one point, I was thinking, uh, uh, <laughs> but it's important to talk about. And I, I again, I really do appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah. I I, I want to wish you luck at your doctor's appointment today. I hope you get good news. Yeah. You don't think so. I, I mean, it's pretty definitive. Yeah. It's not like. I've had ultrasounds before and I do have cysts that are on my, my ovaries at all times. So, okay. so that, it is what it is. Yeah. It's just like, how do I, how will we treat it? Situation. So, all right. Well, I, I hope you get good answers and um, I really appreciate you doing this. If you, yeah, thank you. No, thank you for everything that you do. Oh, please. If you, if you thank me, I'm going to be upset. It's okay. You don't need to thank me or anyone else, by the way, you have a pass on uh on needing to thank people you you've got enough going on you don't need to worry about me that's fascinating like it it really is something um your parents still in indiana yeah they're still in indiana they're still there gotcha okay so you're you're up there by the way uh is your vitamin d low no that was checked too vitamin d is fine interesting of all the things no, I know. Well, I've been taking vitamin D for since we moved here. Oh, you take so it. Was, okay. How much? Do yeah, you take it yeah. I've always taken it. It was just something that they're like, "Hey, we tell people when they move here, you need to take vitamin D." Yeah. That and B twelve. Yeah. So it's okay. just something so that is part of my vitamins. I take it myself. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com 
forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank TrialNet for being a sponsor of today's episode. Go to trialnet.org forward slash juice box to get started. Don't forget to tell them that the juice box podcast sent you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.